Warning, this podcast contains foul language, sexual situations, and discussions of drugs and drinking. Yeah. Welcome Welcome to to Fuck Shakespeare. Shakespeare, a podcast for the Shakespeareanly challenged. And anyone who really enjoys some saucy dick jokes. Teachers, we might insult you a little bit, sorry. Okay, everybody, enjoy! Hi, I'm Diana. This is episode 24. Episode 24. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, spies. Yeah. Spies. So much spying and and, and sneaking around and prying into people's private lives. We never really think about all the kind of craziness that must have gone on in courts. Oh, just awful. I, I know all those period dramas kind of touch upon. Some of it, right? All of the whispering and spying and, and you had to backbiting keep your, and you had to, you had to keep your ear to the ground, right, to maintain your position, so that you could ingratiate yourself with the powers that be. I guess, yeah. Ugh, yeah. so awful. Yeah. Uh, and also in this episode, we're going to introduce you to our friend Jenna. Yay! Jenna is awesome. Jenna is a teacher. Yeah. And little kids, but, you know, maybe someday they will start teaching little kids Shakespeare because that would be a great way to get it back into the curriculum. Yeah, in general population, understanding it and not thinking it's some kind of weird, foreign, scary thing. Yeah, because little kids love it. They don't care. They don't think it's a foreign language. They think it's awesome. Exactly. And Jenna was in CST for how long? Ooh, uh, at least... Eight years, nine years, eight years. Well, and then did grown-up stuff, too. Yeah, right. So Jenna was in the kids' company, and Jenna was also in the adult company, and she's awesome. And you'll hear from her in the middle of this episode. Yeah. So let's talk about the spies. Yeah. So this is a weird little scene that is often cut. Mm. This is Act 2, Scene 1. Well, the beginning of it is cut. The second part is very famous Ophelia coming in to tell Polonius about Crazy Hamlet. Right. Which is... It's the first time we hear about Hamlet after he's claimed that he might put on an antic disposition. Yeah. So we get to, from another character's point of view, see what that looks like. Right. Which is so interesting. I love those scenes where things are described that you didn't actually get to participate in as an audience member. So here's a paper idea. Two paper ideas. One is, why is the first part of this scene usually cut, and what does it do to move the action of the play forward or deepen your understanding of the play? If you leave it, right? If you leave it, right. And then the second paper idea is the idea of witnessing a scene through a character's eyes rather than your own. Yeah. And so, like, why would Shakespeare make the choice to tell you about that scene rather than play that scene? Right. So if you've ever seen the production or know about it, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, they actually replay this piece with uh, Hamlet and Ophelia, and they play it as a dumb show. They play it as an acting thing so that you actually get to see Hamlet working through what Ophelia describes him as doing. That's an interesting choice on the part of Tom Stoppard. Yeah, another Shakespeare fan. But so we have this weird little character, Ronaldo, who's often cut. And listen, I mean, Hamlet is fucking four hours. You can't play the whole thing, so you have to make some choices. You can't play the whole thing, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> you will lose people. I didn't watch the whole movie. I couldn't do it. <laughs> so, definitely. On that note, Shakespeare did not perform this play in its entirety, I am so certain. Because if he tells us in Romeo and Juliet, two hours traffic is the, you know, right, of Mm -hmm. our stage, then there's no way that he would put anybody through four and a half hours of anything. (laughs) And remember, of course, he didn't write this down to be published, and the people who came after collected his roles, and who knows who put together this version Right. Of it. It could, you know, it could have been a mashup of several different versions that were two hours apiece. And maybe either Hemingway or Condell had played Ronaldo and they're like, oh, we have to keep this scene in. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
is my favorite role. I love Ronaldo. He's so awesome. <laughs> right. But anyway, let's get so Ronaldo is is being hired. Well, hired. He's already he's, he's the in man. the employee. He's of in yeah, in Mr. The Polonius. Yeah. But he's being commissioned. Commissioned, thank you, instead of hired to go to France. Go to Paris and see what that boy is up to. Right. So not only is Polonius spying on members of the court, he's spying on members of his own family. Yeah, it's terrible. It's awful. It's terrible. It's like your parents going through your text. Yeah. It's the reason you have a finsta. (laughs) I don't know. I'm old. What the fuck do I know? (laughs) I don't know. I I do think that's the reason people have finstas. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, anyway. Okay. So, uh, Polonius. Yeah. So he's an awkward Pol- fellow. I mean, it's weird that he's so insecure in his role that he has to keep doing this. You would think at some point he's like, yeah, it's all right. I'm going to let it go. <laughs> I don't know. Because if, you know, if, if your livelihood is dependent on... You knowing all the wares and whys. And also on a king who is illegally as it were, on the throne, Yeah. right? You go through all kinds of machinations to keep your ass in the court, right? I mean, if Polonius yeah. gets thrown out of court, who the fuck is he? Yeah, nobody. Nobody. Yeah. So... Uh, it seems excessive. It does seem excessive, <laughs> but, you know, this is probably how he got where he is, and he's not going to let it go now because yeah. it served him. Well, we all do that, right? We find yeah. things that work for us, whether they actually serve us or not, and we use them over and over again. <laughs> we hang on to them like dogs and bones and... Yeah. So um, yeah. So maybe that's why Laertes was like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, Laertes definitely skedaddled for Paris, didn't he? Yeah. He just was like, bye, see ya. But I also think Paris, in Shakespeare's time, Paris was a, a city of... You know, um, intellect and a city of fashion and a city yeah. of maybe sexy things. Sexy things, sexy yeah. Things. For sure the English blamed, you know, syphilis on Paris. <laughs> right. So, you know, La- sure. Laertes wanting to skip town to Paris says something about what he's doing when he's there, yeah. I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he could go anywhere else from Denmark, but... Goes to Paris. Yeah. And probably if he had stick, stuck around, that his father would have employed him to do a lot of these <gasps> things, right? Oh so, you know, Laertes looks at that as his future, probably, and is like, no, I cannot. <laughs> that is not for me. I can't. <laughs> right. Not for so me. Just like, get me out. But also, many um, noble houses sent their sons off to the courts of other kings mm-hmm. to. Learn and to train. learn, yeah, to train, to train in new methods that maybe they didn't know in terms of warfare and dancing and language and all of that stuff. And maybe to get married to yeah. a lady. Right, of so the that court. they have some alliances. Mm-hmm. Bring those French girls back. Let's have a little cross pollinating <laughs> because all of this inbreeding, look what it's doing to us. <laughs> right. Oh, I don't know if they even thought about that. No, they didn't no, think about they that. They did not. Clearly, Let's if marry you look my at, cousin. Right. If you go back and you look at the royal lines, they're yeah, all cousins. They're terrible. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what what country you were in, you were marrying your cousin. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and and then all of this, you know, coming going back and forth to different courts, you had cousins in France anyway. So. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> right. Too late, can't escape. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Children coming out crazy. Yes. Yes. King George. I see you, King George. Uh, we love you, King George. <laughs> Do we? No. No. And then the other half of the scene, after Jenna's interview, is about Ophelia mm-hmm. in her closet. Mm. What does that mean? Her private chamber. Yeah. But Hamlet knew how to get there. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. When we talked about whether Polonius and Laertes knew that Hamlet was diddling Ophelia. Yeah. So he definitely knows the way there. To her secret rooms. But the thing that's interesting to me about the way she describes what happens is that he just bursts in. Yeah. Like, you don't do that. You, no knocking? Nothing. No, no, you know, servant coming in and saying, hey, mm. Prince Hamlet is here to see you, lady. Yes. You know, nope. none of that. He pushed past everybody. He ran in and... The way she describes him, she describes his, the way he is 
clothed. I'm not going to say dressed because he's in a state of undress. Yeah. Um, shocking. Which is shocking. And he would have had to be like that outside of her private chamber, which means other people saw him. Coming that way. Right. And one of the things that she talks about is that his stockings, which were very high socks, basically, that came up to your little short pants yeah that came up above your little <laughs> short pants right yeah. so they came up to your like your thighs yeah she describes that those are are not up they're down around, around his, his ankles yeah which <gasps> means she can his see, knees yeah, she can see his thighs his knees and his shins shocking it is shocking we did not see flesh like that. In he might as well days. have no underwear on. Exactly. Yeah. It's shocking. And so he doesn't just show her his thighs, knees, and shins. He came running through the hallways. Like that. Like that. So servants Unseemly. saw him. I mean, it's crazily shocking. Yeah. Right? So the question is, though, why did he come to her first, do you think? I mean, after all those servants who saw him in the hall. Well, I, what do you think? Well, like... Maybe was it some kind of goodbye, like some kind of closure on, look at me, I'm going to this weird place, you You and me are over. Yeah. Unspoken. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's very good at relationships. (laughs) No. No, No, probably not. It's really not. So how do I uh, tell her and not tell her, you know, that this is over? He he didn't have text. So. He let his knees do the talking. Yeah, G2G. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) But also, his knees knocking together, right? He was was upset. He was upset. He was very upset. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just see him shuffling through? Because if those stockings are all around his ankles, they would have also maybe been on the floor and... Yeah, you know, he's he stepping on them and, and like, fall, yeah, I don't know. like Pratt Fall Hamlet. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Oh God. Anyway, so yeah, and uh, when she describes his clothing, we'll we'll do it when we yeah. when we get there. We'll tell you what each yeah. thing is. It's definitely not a good look. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. All right. So the first half of the scene: Polonius and Ronaldo. All right. I I'll read Ronaldo. There you go. Yeah, okay. and you read Polonius. Okay. Give him this money and these notes, Ronaldo. I will, my lord. You shall do marvelous, wisely, good Ronaldo, before you visit him, to make inquire of his behavior. So, uh, before seeing him, you want to see what he's doing first. Right. And and remember what we said about Polonius? He can never say anything succinctly. No. Everything with Polonius, you know people like this. Yeah. They must hear their own voices. His very famous line in a couple of scenes that you'll see is, I will be brief. And then he goes, oh. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Like the friar with that long fucking speech. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my lord, I did intend it. Ronaldo has been in his yeah. employ for a he while. He knows exactly what he's he supposed knows. to do. He knows. Mary, well said. Very well said. Look you, sir. Inquire me first what danskers are in Paris. Danskers. Danskers, Danish people. Oh, Danish, Danish people. people. Danes. So he's like, first, spy on all the rest of the Danish people. <laughs> then you're going to get to Laertes, right? <laughs> yeah. And how, and who, what means, and where they keep, what company, at what expense, and finding by this encompassment and drift of question that they do know my son, come you more nearer, that your particular demands will touch it. So encompassment, big word for like, roundabout way like to encompass something is to circle it right so he's kind of like circle him first find out all the other people that know him and drift of question kind of a casual way to question them Mm. and you'll and he's he's going to say this a few different ways that you'll be able to find out direct answers by indirect means Mm-hmm. So that's his method of spying. So this is all interesting information about Polonius. Yeah, how his mind works. Yeah. Take you, as twere, some distant knowledge of him. like You know of him, but you don't know him. Yeah. yeah. As thus, I know his father and his friends, and in part him. Do you mark this, Ronaldo? Uh, very well, my lord. And in part him, but you may say not well, but if be he, I mean, he's very wild, addicted, so-and-so. And there put on him what forgeries you please. 
So he's like giving him a script, right? Mm-hmm. He's telling him exactly what to say. You're going to say it exactly this way. So like, I sort of know him. Oh, I heard he's really crazy, wild. Yeah, yeah, he does some things. Yeah, and then, but then he's gonna he's gonna, you know, curtail some of the things that Ronaldo might say. So, uh, Mary, none so rank as may dishonor him. Take heed of that. But sir, such wanton, wild, and usual slips as our companions noted and most known to youth and liberty. So all the things that young men do. Yeah. As gaming, my lord. Aye, or or drinking, fencing, swearing, quarreling, drabbing, you may go so far. Drabbing? Drabbing. A drab is a whore. Also, whoring. You can even accuse him of whoring. My lord, that would dishonor him. Faith, no, as you may season it in the charge. You must not put another scandal on him that he is open to incontinency. What? He needs his depends. <laughs> he pees a lot in France? I don't know. No. Um, incontin- to be incontinent also means to be, like, uh, wasteful. Like, you know. I'm wasting my pee. Reckless. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> well, not able to hold things. So you don't hold money. Oh, 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 oh hold, not able right? to hold. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that's how they get that word. So you can't hold your pee, but you can't hold your money. You can't hold your tongue, right? Okay. Just kind of reckless. Kind of reckless. Yeah. That's not my meaning, but breathe his faults so quaintly that they may seem the taints of liberty. Taints. You didn't taint. (laughs) (laughs) We can find those dirty words wherever they're hiding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The taints of liberty. Ah, I just had quite an image. New (laughs) band name, if ever there was one. Oh, the, yeah. The perineum of liberty. The perineum of, li- the perineum of prosperity. We're going to start riffing on this. Oh, my oh, God. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so the taints of liberty are just like the stains that happen to young men when they have freedom. The flash and outbreak of a fiery mind. A savageness in unreclaimed blood. So these are variations on a theme, right? He's like... The results of being bold and smart and untamed. Mm-hmm. Unreclaimed is untamed. Of general assault. Uh, but, my good lord. Wherefore should you do this? I, my lord. I would know that. Mary, sir, here's my drift. And I believe it is a fetch of wit. <laughs> so he's very impressed with his own ingenious devices. A fetch of wit is just like an ingenious idea. You laying these slight sullies on my son. Sullies, we heard that word before. Yeah, no? so little blemishes. But listen to the S's, right? So now he's whispering. whispering. Now he's, because there might be other servants passing by, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you always have to think about that, guys. Like, where are you in the scene? Right. Are they in his office? Is it private or is it public? That, that's going to affect how you play or how you speak it completely. So now he's whispering. You laying these slight sullies on my son, as to a thing a little soiled in the working, mark you, your party and converse, him you would sound. So wait, uh, as to a thing a little soiled in the working, um, the slight sullies, these little blemishes that are kind of old, old hat, old, you know, regular things that people take on. Your party and converse, that's the other guy, the guy you're conversing with. Right. Having ever seen in the prenominate crimes the youth you breathe of guilty, prenominate nominate means to name something, right? Yeah. So the aforementioned faults, okay. the crimes that you were talking about. So, oh, having ever seen in the previously mentioned small blemishes on his character. Yeah. This guy to be guilty, having seen him to be guilty of these small things. Right. He might open up and say other bigger things, Uh, right? That's what he's kind of driving at, right? Right. Like you kind of plant the seeds of little indiscretions, and maybe some guy that you come across talking about Laertes will say, oh, yeah, not only (laughs) that, but... Yeah, right. I saw him at the gaming table, but I also saw him... Slinging his dick around in public, like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, uh, the youth you breathe of guilty, be assured, he closes with you in this consequence. Good sir, or so, or friend, or gentleman, according to the phrase or the addition of man and country. Very good, my lord. 
So he's like, he's going to continue the conversation by addressing you like such, you know? Uh-huh. And then, sir, does he this? He does, oh, what was I about to say? By the mass, I was about to say something. Where did I leave? <laughs> Dude, it happens to me all the time. What the fuck? Where was I? What am I saying? <laughs> I came in this room for something. It's so good. It's such a good way of describing an old person without having to describe them. Right. right? Uh, at closes in the consequence. At friend or so. And gentleman. At closes in the consequence. I Mary. He closes thus. I know the gentleman. I saw him yesterday, or t'other day, or then, or then, with such or such. And as you say, there was a gaming. There or took ins rouse. So or took overcome, right? Ins rouse. We in had that his, word before. In his in drinking. His drink. Mm-hmm. So he was completely drunk. Not only was he gaming, he was drunk. Yeah. They're falling out at tennis. <laughs> so he got drunk, and then he couldn't play tennis. Then he couldn't play tennis. What a shame. <laughs> or perchance I saw him enter such a house of sale. Whores. Whores off. So I'm going to a whorehouse. Yeah. Vitalize it. A brothel or so forth. Wait, wait. Vital what? Vitalize it. <laughs> it's a really old word. So you guys, when you think of Shakespeare and you're like, oh, it's old English, there's actually, uh, and this has been studied, it's only 5% of the words in the entire complete works that are words that we don't use anymore. So vitalize it, obviously. It's one of those. We never heard of it. But it comes from a Latin, videre, to see. So previously seen, or like, in other words. Oh. In other words, a brothel. So he says, a house of sale. In other words, a brothel. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. See you now. Your bait of falsehood takes this carp of truth. Little fishing metaphor. Bait of falsehood. So falsehood is what you put on the hook. Yep. And you get back a bigger... A bigger fish. A bigger fish. Bigger info. Yeah, more info. Lots of intel there, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thus do we of wisdom and of reach, with windlasses and assays of bias, by indirections find directions out. So we, smart people... And of reach means understanding much more than other people. Yeah. With windlasses and assays of bias, these are, again, terms for roundabout methods. Windlasses were just like, you know, I guess I think it's a sailing term. And assays of bias is a bowling term. That means you're like testing out the ground by rolling a ball to the, to the oh, right. Oh, assays, as in, as in what you do in a science lab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. A test. It's a, a test. test. Uh-huh. And he says, by indirections, find directions out. So you can get a direct hit by using these sideways methods of finding out. Yeah. Uh-huh. So by my former lecture and advice shall you, my son. You have me here? Have you not? Uh, my lord, I have. Copy with you. Very well. Good, my lord. Observe his inclination in yourself. I shall, my lord. That means, like, don't trust someone else to do this work. You do it. You see him for yourself with your own eyes. And let him ply his music. (laughs) Well, my lord. Make sure he practices the piano. (laughs) Farewell. Now, so, like, my mother does this to me all the time. Okay, let's say goodbye. Goodbye. And and then, oh, and and then goodbye. And ah! So, like, you keep trying to leave the room and the person keeps calling you back. Back. Yeah, Ronaldo is like Laertes, can't get out of there fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, He keeps talking! (laughs) All right, so here comes Jenna. Yeah, so let us let you listen to Jenna, and then we will be back with Ophelia. 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 (laughs) Hi! Hi! Jenna, Jenna, will you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Jenna. I go by she, her, hers pronouns. I have known Diana and Erin for many, many years, starting my journey with Shakespeare when I was in fifth grade, I believe. Nice. And now I am actually teaching fifth grade, which is kind of funny, um, at a school in Queens. So it's been full circle. Woo. Yay. Here we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, great. So you mentioned your, how did you find Shakespeare first? Tell us a little bit about that. All right. So I have been through preschool family friends with another Shakespeare family, um, the Kitmans, 
whom I was introduced to through our, again, our preschool, but we went to see them because they lived in Palisades in New York and they were in this magical group called Children's Shakespeare Theater. And we went to go see them perform. And I believe it was A Midsummer Night's Dream. And I fell in love with the whole thing, with the theater, with the lights, with the costumes. Of course, my friends who were, we were very little, they were the fairies and I would just love every part of that. Um, and of course, looking up to the older kids who at the time, the Children's Shakespeare Theater, they must have been eighth grade. No, yeah, eighth graders. Yeah. Um, and they were giants to me and they were incredible watching them. And a couple of years after seeing that performance, we actually moved to the area. And of course we were like remembering that awesome theater play. And we were like, we have to join that group. So we became part of it as soon as we could. And all four wets did. Yep, as soon as, we, as soon as we were old enough to read a script and you know say the lines, we, we joined the group. Yeah, you had three siblings, right? Younger than you. So you made the inroads for all of you. Yes, <laughs> we, uh, we were a legacy. We all four of us, one after the other, little ducklings. We all followed each other through the, through the place. Yeah. A dynasty, a majestic dynasty. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Duckling dynasty. Aw, <Aww>, so cute. <laughs> Great. Um, so what was your first show? Yeah, my first show was Henry V. So I was uh, a couple of, you know, minor characters here and there, but which made it more fun because I could take it whatever direction I chose. I remember I was Bardolph. Oh, what a great the, part. What a great part. Uh, with like the, we were basically every scene of him was in a tavern, <laughs> more or less. And I had my little beer sign that of course was just full of tap water from the back. <laughs> but I got to pretend to be drunk on stage and I got to drink all of it and then be, where's the rum? Why is the rum gone? And I held my mug upside down when I drank all of it. It was fun. So I got to play, you know, and I could wear my silly costume and my hat. That was like a floppy hat. I remember that it was red and white striped and I love my hat. <laughs> and how do you pretend to be drunk when you're a fifth grader? Spin in circles and don't walk straight. <laughs> <laughs> So silly, funny. <laughs> Do you remember thinking anything about the language of Shakespeare when you were in fifth grade doing it for the first time? That's funny. Uh, no, I feel like when you're performing it, it's more easily understood. You just, you say the lines and you're doing the actions. And so the language itself just makes sense because it's just, they fit together. And of course, like when I was in fifth grade, I wasn't speaking these speeches and soliloquies, right? I had dialogue and a dialogue fits nicely together because you have a call and response. So mm -hmm. the language itself, it's just a puzzle piece. They just fit together. And I think also when you're younger and I've taught abroad as well, and I've seen this with younger kids that when you introduce them to a new language, they don't question it. They're like, okay, so this is called that in that language, all right. I get it. And then they just go off with it. I taught a, a, a five-year-old the word scissors and she was just using it in sentences for the rest of the day. Like <laughs> it, they don't question it. They're just like, that's what this is. That's the name of this object. Okay. That's what the name of this object is. No question. So in fifth grade, I guess your brain is still kind of like that sponge. So you're able to just throw at it and it absorbs it and it, there's no questioning. It just absorbs it. And then it walks away with it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's almost like you're making an argument for starting Shakespeare earlier in school. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and also, but not just reading it, though. I think it has to be an experience. Yeah, yeah. For, for everyone. I mean, I, just to like get the little ones into it, too. Because again, what drew me into it was the lights and the costumes and all of it with the language. Um, and then I didn't question the language when it came to my learning it. Uh, just, it was an experience that all fit together. Right. In New York, is there a poetry unit for fifth graders in the curriculum? So not that I've seen. Right now, we're, we're reading a, a book together. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been seeing that we're reading novels together. Last year, so I just graduated in May with my master's in education, and I had to do student teaching. And it was virtual, of course, because of everything. But um, my virtual student teaching, we had a unit on poetry. and we focused on like Shel Silverstein and um, Dr. Seuss and all of those other easy to unpack for kids. Just like, oh, that's a simile because look at that. Obviously this person isn't actually a fish, like, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I know that that was fourth grade. 
and that was in upstate New York. So I'm not sure. Each district is a little different with how they do things. Yeah. So now I'm in New York City. So they, I haven't seen yet a unit on poetry, but perhaps after this novel that we're reading, we'll go into poetry. Again, I'm new yeah. to the whole teaching world, but uh, I'm hoping, and we are learning simile and metaphor. So we are doing some figurative language, but. Yeah, but that seems like a good place to put in like one short Shakespeare speech, you know, like. Oh, whoa, full off and hath thou heard my moans. Something <laughs> <laughs> like very small, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And I also love like the idea of having them hanging up around the room too. Just like to thine own self be true. Like little yeah. like, you know, snippets here and there. Yeah. Just to get the, the language, just, you know, little messages, hidden secret messages of Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love that you just tossed out a Hamlet line. That was great because... That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> like I knew. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you listen or something. <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, so you were in Hamlet. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. So I was in Hamlet in my senior year. It was actually my senior show. It was um, 2012. That must have been. <laughs> so yeah. 10 years ago, um, I played Gertrude in my final production in, in the Children's Shakespeare Theater. Nice. And, uh, and how did you approach Gertrude? So I was definitely, um, when I first got the, the role, I was a little disappointed because I know that she's the female character that everyone, everyone knows, but everyone focuses more on Ophelia in, in the show. So I felt that Gertrude was kind of like a bleh, like, okay, she's just a, a, a role. I mean, I was glad that I was a, a female role because there are, are kind of few when you're casting people. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I got to wear dresses and be a queen. That's nice. Um, but going from Lady M to Gertrude was definitely a, a big, because that I went from Lady M my junior year to Gertrude my senior year. And for me, those were very different female queen figures because Lady M, and I'm going to say Lady Macbeth, because uh, yeah. I can say the name. Like, Lady Macbeth like, basically went out and said, I am going to be queen. Yep, I'm going to be queen. You, husband, you're basically my servant now you kill the king for me and then I'm gonna be queen <laughs> um Gertrude I felt was kind of the opposite of that Gertrude um I mean she married into her queendom right she married first the original king so King Hamlet who um dies and then she just kind of falls into kind of like Catherine of Aragon I've, I've been listening to six <laughs> so I've got that like on the brain now um so Catherine of Aragon also falls into marrying the brother once the original king dies Right. Um, and so it was kind of like, okay, she um, marries into the kingdom and then just falls into continuing her queendom with just following the brother line. Um, so it kind of just felt like she was being led as opposed to Lady Macbeth, who was doing the leading, right? Yeah. Um, so they were very different characters. Um, but then going through it and actually being Gertrude, it's like, what else was she going to do? Because, you know, female figures. I mean, even Ophelia, she goes crazy because of all of the societal pressures on women. And then when you can't meet expectations, like what are you supposed to do as a woman? Like you go crazy and die essentially is what happens. Um, so there was definitely more sympathy for her as I was like doing the role and following the role. Cause she really didn't have control. Even as a queen, she didn't have control because you're still at the mercy of the king and all the rest of the men. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so there was definitely more sympathy there. And also I kind of, the lingering feeling of Lady Macbeth in me wanted to be like, oh no, she chose this. Like she wanted to be queen. So she was like, oh yeah, you're the king now, Claudius. Hey, I'm pretty sexy still. Like, you want to get this on? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe she wanted, she, she took it for, for herself. There's like different ways that you can play it. And I think yep. that having come from Lady Macbeth into Gertrude, I probably had that maybe mentality still in me a little bit. Yeah. So she takes charge a little bit, like really makes her own choices a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And then she has that really powerful scene with her son, right? The, the closet scene, which is the so closet scene. Yeah. No, I remember. And I was playing it um, opposite to Natasha who was playing. Go, well, Natasha and Jonah were both playing. We had that Hamlet. dual Hamlet. Hamlet. Um, and I remember Natasha and I were pretty comfortable with each other and it got very intense in <laughs> in certain like moments in that scene. And I remember we would be doing something that we'd stop and we, we would be like, whoa, because it got very confrontational, but also in a oddly just physical way. Like yeah. even though it's a, a mother son 
thing, Hamlet is just clearly, and I think that also Gertrude is repressing her emotions, which um, Ophelia obviously lost control of that. Um, so maybe it, we see a woman who is repressing, because I feel like in that scene too, we see that Gertrude probably also sympathizes with what her son is experiencing because she's feeling the same things. She mm -hmm. also was married to this man and she also, as a mother, probably is also feeling sorry for how her son is suffering deteriorating yeah suffering yeah. right so yeah. there's also all those emotions but she's repressing them yeah because she's, this is society this is how things go like this is it he's the king now he's your father now like this is <laughs> yeah. so awkward right yeah. oh, i wish you had seen jenna's <laughs> face she said father <laughs> i know she's like you <laughs> and no uncle father now okay uncle father aunt mother <laughs> yeah but so she's like saying that that is what it is. Um, but she's probably also like sympathizing with him saying, I'm also angry and devastated and upset with everything. But we, as uh, you know, a woman in this society is, you know, the mother figure, I have to say that we can't do it. And it, it gets very ourselves. Yeah, it gets very heated. But then he attacks her like sexually. He's disgusted yeah. by her choices there. So that must have been, you know, really difficult to play I think too right mm -hmm. well I yeah well with with uh Natasha we definitely got into that with the sexual nature of it but I also think that going back to um Gertrude taking control like maybe there was part of her that always loved Claudius maybe she always loved uh Claudius that there was part of her like okay. even though she she had to marry the older son because that's that was the king and she had to marry him but maybe there was part of her that always wanted to be with the younger son with the with the second with the younger brother yeah, you're and definitely doing the Catherine of Aragon, Aragon take right. there. <laughs> yeah, a right. little bit, right? That, that that there's always maybe now this is the marriage she always wanted. Yeah. So that That's was part of that too. Like maybe like sexually, this is what she she always wanted. So maybe this is her finally coming into the relationship that she was desiring in the, from the beginning. Yeah. Um, Which would although, be very uncomfortable for her son, right? Yeah, definitely to see her his mother happier in a, a second marriage than she yeah. was in the first one. Yeah, yeah, and which is funny because I feel like again going back to Lady Macbeth, like she and, and Macbeth have a way more like steamy scenes. I mean, there's like that everyone saying that um the Macbeths were actually the happiest married couple before the <laughs> end of the play, yeah. right? So going from that, and actually Alec and I played those roles, and then we went to playing Claudius and and Gertrude. So we went from one couple to another couple, but they they really don't have many scenes like that together yeah. in in the play. So that, that just comes from interpretation. I think it also helps that, that we don't see them behave that way. And yet we hear Hamlet talk about them that way. So like, you know, is it another thing that's just in his imagination? Exactly. You have to think like it, what, what part of that is real and what part yeah. of that. So the actors then have to play that, that part up or not. They can yeah. make it. It's great. Leaves a lot of interpretation, right? Mm -hmm. What about studying Shakespeare in the classroom when you were in school? What was that like? So um, I remember, I believe the first play that they introduced, of course, was um, Midsummer Night's Dream in eighth grade. And we were each given a little book and we all sat in our desks and we all read it. And then at the end of the unit, we watched a, a movie with the, with the, the play. Um, I think it was the- was, was Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Bottom. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. And I, of course, had seen the play. I, I actually, I, I was never in a CST rendition of Midsummer. Really? Yeah. Even as a bedfellow, I was never I'm part fun. of Midsummer I know. plays. You were away. You were in college then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was in it. And yeah. all three of my siblings have been in it. So I'm the only Wex that has not been in a Midsummer Aww. CST play. <laughs> Something to look forward to. You have to there be Tanya in our next version. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't follow you, Erin. Of course you can, because you'll do it totally different. And here's the other thing. We'll have old fairies. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, old fairies. around a long time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just print it upside down. Yeah. <laughs> and then Titania and Oberon are the only ones who get the youth potion. And everyone else, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Or I guess we have to give it if the the, the well-behaved servant fairies they may might get the potion. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
so but yes, yes that's we're school. sitting and reading mostly sitting and reading and watching a movie and then it kind of you know as we entered high school was the same we were sitting in our rows in our classrooms and we would have we read Romeo and Juliet freshman year I think we may have read Othello sophomore year um and it was again the same except you know when reading it the teacher would give certain roles to certain students and we would read it from our desks and read the the lines and of course people would be butchering the language because when you're reading it from a page and you're not reading it standing up and you're not reading it as it's supposed to be read which is as a, a dialogue as a conversation you're going to mess it up and then I remember junior year we read Macbeth which again was the same year that I played Lady Macbeth so we got to the out damn spot scene and I told my teacher that I was performing it and so what she did is she let me actually perform it in the classroom and in that room our desks were arranged in like a a, a u a semicircle yeah um and so we turned off the lights and I brought in a flashlight and two people were reading the the nurse and the the doctor um lines and I was like I had them memorized so I was saying them from the center of the semicircle in the dark oh, nice. flashlight and it was so great and it was so much fun and so what did did any of the kids like tell you later or react or say it was you know different to hear it that way oh yeah no they and it was amazing because they were all silent and it was like it felt like we were in a theater it felt like everyone was watching me and everyone was just even afterward was silent for a little bit like they were just absorbing what happened because that's what it's supposed to be again with the absorption like you're supposed to absorb the language and the experience of Shakespeare and it was uh, way more powerful than just reading it from your desk it's you're immersed in it as opposed to just maybe dozing off and listening to your classmates read words from a page it it was a, a completely different experience yeah yeah so um did did your teachers when you were doing the Shakespeare unit um before you read a scene from your desks was there was there a little bit of prep in terms of what the scene was about, what you were, who the characters were, what you were going to be listening for, or or how was that handled? Oof, this was a long time ago, but um, <laughs> there must have been, and I remember you know, PowerPoints. I remember seeing you know things being projected onto the the board while we were reading, and I'm sure that they probably introduced the, the vocabulary because I'm sure that I mean there are words that um, we don't know <laughs> that Shakespeare used at the time. Um, and I'm sure that they translated it roughly for us. And they probably gave us the overview um, before we, we went into it. Um, but I'm, again, long time ago, I think that also they give you the overview of each act, not just individual scenes, just that if you do get lost in the sauce with the language that you can still find the overarching you know, trajectory of the plot. Yeah. But most of my friends still did the no fear Shakespeare, you know, side by side translation, yeah, um, which is just easier for those who are not <laughs> in the realm of Shakespeare. Yeah. Why do you as a teacher and as a person who has both studied and performed Shakespeare think that Shakespeare is still in the curriculum today? I mean, the themes are always prevalent that you see in Shakespeare or in any novel that you're going to read. Right. So it's still the themes of love and loss and greed and, you know, just conflict, but also resolution. And you see them throughout all of Shakespeare, but you also see them throughout any novel that, that you read. So you read, you know, the Harry Potter books, you read the Lord of the Rings books, you read anything. We're, we're reading a book called Heart and Soul right now. And again, those same themes of just struggle, but also triumph. And you see them everywhere. And so I think that Shakespeare is still relevant even though he was written hundreds of years ago, this, the, the themes are still there. The themes that you experience every day in your own lives are going to be connected to the themes of the plot. And also it's just cool. <laughs> like it's unique. You're not going to see this anymore in, you know, work, uh, works published today. Like it's, it is a different language and to, to experience it, it's, you know, time travel. It's, it's experiencing the time back then, but still with those same, themes that you can connect to so it's it's powerful as a teacher and as a someone who experiences Shakespeare on their own I I love Shakespeare <laughs> and it's also like source material right like so many stories come out of there mm -hmm. right so you can oh, talk definitely. About that and go oh this is just like you know that bit of Othello that you know whatever where the jealousy happened you can have those stories come 
you know, forward all the time in modern context, movies and How many Hamlets and, have we seen? Yeah. I mean, I, isn't Lion King just Hamlet? Lion King is Hamlet. <laughs> Edgar Sawtell, which is one of my favorite books, is Hamlet. Um, there's a bunch of them yeah. that are out there that are that they're the Hamlet story. Yeah. Not over maybe not again. maybe not quite as blatantly as Edgar Sawtell. Yeah. I mean, that's like blatant, but it's a great book. Yeah. You know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you talk about the language. Um, is there, do you have any like tips or tricks about when you see a word that you don't know, what do you do with it? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm teaching my kids this right now when they come upon a word that they don't know. It's just using the context clues. It's just using what's going on in the scene, what's going on in that sentence and in, in the phrase itself. That'll help you figure out what the word itself means, or at least like the gist of it. Maybe not the exact meaning of the word, but you understand what the author speaker is is saying yeah. in the in the, the moment great and like try it out out loud yeah like I- which of course like there's different ways because <laughs> these words aren't said every day so especially it was so funny reading like for example the game of thrones books and you would come across a name and you would be reading it in your head one way and then you talk to someone about you know the books and they would be saying this person's name and you're like who are you talking about and then you realize that you're talking about the same person but you're saying their name very differently yeah and my friend when she was in high school and they had to read catcher in the rye she pronounced the female character's name pahobi pahobi (laughs) phoebe phoebe pahobi (laughs) (laughs) she was very confused (laughs) when they started talking about phoebe in class she was like Oh, <laughs> <laughs> something is she later in the book? <laughs> she she loves it. Did I read my book? Did I read this book? Pahobi. <laughs> but then there's some great, you know, like verbal, you know, out loud puns that you can do with that, right? What's so so funny? Like, like Pyramus and Frisbee and stuff, <laughs> you know, I mean, goofy things that we get to just play with. And so what? They're not wrong, right? So, yeah. interpretation and spinning it whatever way yeah especially in a comedy you can be super loose about oh yeah (laughs) who cares say it wrong it's hilarious right yeah yeah i mean we went through all of the romeo and juliet episodes with all the dick jokes (laughs) lay it on lay it on thick lay it on (laughs) Uh, yeah good good um so can we throw some funny words at you and just like Say the first context. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, word association, just totally off the top of your head. All right, here we go. Giglot. Giglot. Are you giggling a lot? Um, is it like a a, a small laugh, like a giggle? Like a- <laughs> it's fun. Um, how about Welkin? Is it like a weapon, like a like a tiny maybe dagger but i could see this being used as a dick joke too a welkin like mm-hmm. <laughs> perfect <laughs> best lover best lover best lover best lover best lover is it like to slather something on bread Bes- i love that <laughs> i beslubbered my toast i beslubbered my bagel <laughs> <laughs> how about clack dish Clack dish. I feel well, a dish. I'm thinking like a, a something you put on on a, at like an, a tavern, a clack dish is something that you just maybe spit into. Like it's like a dish, <laughs> but like it's not used for anything nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Excellent. <laughs> I love that. Questress. Uh, Questress. Okay, well, I think it's an adjective of someone who goes on quests, like Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Except the <laughs> lace. <laughs> and last one, Pizzle. Is it like going to the bathroom? <laughs> Pizzling? Small like tinkle? Like <laughs> sure, why not? Like, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that's the thing is like you could decide it's something and you go along saying the sentence with that meaning in mind. And then after a while you go, I don't know, that doesn't sound right or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 
I had a friend who was directing and, you know, he's like, he's always about like, yes, allow kids to do whatever they want. Right. And with, with the language or the characters, whatever. So this one kid who was playing Angelo in measure for measure. And he's like, I think Angelo's a vampire. And my friend was like, yes. So he watched him play him blah, 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 blah for like two weeks. And then finally he's like, no, he's not a vampire. <laughs> I think it anymore. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure he found some interesting things from In having. This, yeah, because Angelo is creepy. Yeah. In a big way. So let him be Dracula for let a little be, bit. Yes, because <laughs> you can keep some of the creep. Yep. Without the Transylvanian accent. Yes. <laughs> the thirst for blood. And <laughs> All right. Um, what was your favorite role to play in Shakespeare? Leading both. I mean, hands down. When I when I found that out that I got that role, that was a crazy day. I was <laughs> walking on there the whole day and just playing it. I guess I hadn't really played a strong female character before that or any female characters I played maybe one or two prior to that and just like being able to be a woman and be in control was so cool and then we also played it where she was kind of like witchy too like just like in her outfits and everything and just like summoning the you know the spirits and you know all that that she was kind of witchy and it was really cool and really badass and I just love being just so in it and just so involved in all of it just it was like so much fun hey <laughs> it was a great show that one yeah that, that Macbeth was really yeah. good yeah it's pretty cool post-apocalyptic weirdness yeah you had very much the uh magenta from Rocky Horror look about you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but you know what the whole show was kind of witchy if you think back right yeah. like we had the the coven of witches the coven of witches but then the, the you know a, 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 yes it was post-apocalyptic but there was a there was like the, the creepy kids on the on the scaffolding were were much witchier than they yeah. normally are I felt anyway yeah yeah divisions the, the, the visions yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. well cool do you want to say anything else no yeah we so enjoyed your point of view and really appreciate it and we'll see you soon. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes please. Oh, okay, sweet. Have a great mm. Sunday and a beautiful day. Yeah, you too. All right. So Ronaldo leaves, and here comes Ophelia. How <laughs> oh, now, Ophelia? What's the matter? Oh, my lord, my lord, I've been so affrighted. With what? In the name of God. My lord, as I was sewing in my closet, Lord Hamlet, with his doublet all unbraced... What does that mean? It means his vest untied, so doublet is the thing that they wore on the top of their shirt, over top of their shirt, right? And it laced up the front. So his, his vest was open, so you could see his undershirt. Oh, my God. Right? Yikes. Uh, no hat upon his head. His stockings fouled. Dirty socks? Oh, my God. What? Um, ungartered and down-jived to his ankle. So a garter held the socks stockings up, up yeah. underneath his pants. So yeah. just like they do now for girls who are getting married. I don't think people really wear those too much. Down-jived. The jives were the manacles that held the feet of prisoners. Mm -hmm. So that's where his stockings were, way down around his ankles like manacles. Yeah. Uh, pale as his shirt, his knees knocking each other. Shocking. She can see his fucking knees. <gasps> and with a look so piteous in purport, as if he had been loosed out of hell to speak of horrors, he comes before me. Like Bill Clinton? <laughs> so purport is just meaning, right? Yeah. So he, he his face was full of meaning. And then he comes before me. <laughs> well. He let loose on my shoe. No. <laughs> he just appears in front of me. But it's just a really funny. Yeah. And the complete works of Shakespeare, they make a great joke out of that one. So she's got a stain on her dress. No, kidding. <laughs> Mad for thy love? My lord, I do not know, but truly I do fear it. What said he? He took me by the wrist and held me hard. 
also pulled her to his chest. And he right? had an erection. No. Oh! oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> then goes he to the length of all his arms. So then he pushes her away as far away as his arm is straight. But he's probably still holding her. Yeah, hand. he's totally holding her wrist, yeah. right? And um, and with his other hand, thus or his brow, he falls to such perusal of my face as he would draw it. So, peruse, so to peruse something. Yeah, to look yeah. strong, to, examine. To, yeah. yeah. So so, uh, thus or his brow, he could be he could be shielding his eyes. He could be omying on his forehead. Yes. He could be doing a, any number of things <laughs> with that hand. Uh, but he stares at her face like he's drawing it. That kind of concentration. Yeah. On her face. Probably he's trying to just remember it forever. Right. Your beautiful face. I'm going to put it in my memory. Yeah. Long stayed he so. At last, a little shaking of mine arm, and thrice his head thus waving up and down, he raised a sigh so piteous and profound as it did seem to shatter all his bulk and end his being. Oh, dear. Hideous, so we've used that twice now, right? He raised a sigh so piteous and profound, like from the bottom of his guts, right? Deep, deep sigh. What's his bulk? Uh, himself, his body. His, his whole being. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, that done, he lets me go. And with his head over his shoulder turned, he seemed to find his way without his eyes. For out of doors he went without their helps, and to the last bended their light on me. So he, he, his feet were going towards the door, but his head was over his shoulder and his eyes were locked on mine. And how he didn't hit the wall or the door frame, <laughs> I don't know, but he didn't. Yeah, the door frame's like, Hamlet, Hamlet, oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude, I'm trying to look out for you. Can't help you now. Polonius is very freaked out by this, right? Come, go with me. I will go seek the king. This is the very ecstasy of love, whose violent property fordoes itself. So love in his eyes is violent, mm -hmm. and and fordoes means destroys. So love between young people is violent, and it ruins everything. And leads the will to desperate undertakings, as oft as any passion under heaven that does afflict our natures. I am sorry. What? Have you given him any hard words of late? Who's he blaming now? <sighs> Poor everybody, Ophelia. Everybody blames Ophelia. Yeah. Yeah. The fuck? No, my good lord, but as you did command, I did repel his letters and denied his access to me. Yeah, so that's even more shocking that he's there because she gave express instructions. Not to be near her. And and that she wouldn't, she wouldn't receive him. Receive him, right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He knocked down all the servants, and there he is. That hath made him mad. He actually cuts her off, right? His access to me, that hath made him mad is a shared line. Mm -hmm. So he's like, okay, okay, don't talk anymore. I know exactly what's wrong, right? I am sorry that with better heed and judgment, I had not coated him. I feared he did but trifle. Coated just means to observe. So he's sorry that he didn't actually try to figure out what Hamlet, what was happening with Hamlet in terms of his feelings towards his daughter before he made an assumption, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What happens when you make an assumption, Aaron? Make an ass out of you, honey. Yeah. I had an English teacher in 11th grade that used to say that all yeah. the time. It's from Oscar. It's from uh, The Odd Couple. Well, it's a great scene. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I feared he did but trifle and meant to wreck thee. Mech, wreck, wreck, wreck. Ruin your reputation. Exactly. I was trying yeah. to say wreck me, but I, my mouth said no. No. But beshrew my jealousy. Beshrew is a word you're going to see a lot, guys. It just means, like, screw it, fuck it. It's a mild oath, you know. The plague take my jealousy. <laughs> By heaven, it is as proper to our age to cast beyond ourselves in our opinions as it is common for the younger sort to lack discretion. Come, go we to the king. So it, old people um, give their opinions. Metal, metal, metal. And they're supposed to because they're old. Yeah. And it's as common for old people to do that as it is for young people to make bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, they need each other. Yeah. <laughs> this must be known, which being kept close might move. More grief to hide than hate to utter love. Okay, so wait a second. This must be known. So we have to tell the king, which being kept close, secret. Secret. Might move more grief to hide. So it might it might be worse if we keep it a secret than the, you know, the hatred, well, maybe not hatred, but the unhappiness that is going to come our way because we uttered it out of love. Ah, okay. So we spoke it out of love. We're going to tell this stuff because we love the king and we want him to know these things. <laughs> and he might be really angry. Or he might make Hamlet marry Ophelia. Oh, maybe. Mm, mm. That would be good for Polonius. Yeah, sure would. Mm. So there's a layered reasons for him to bring this information to the king. Do we think Gertrude is past, I guess she's past childbearing? Probably, if Hamlet's 33. Well, I mean... <laughs> she could have had him at 12, which means 46. Well, she yeah. could still do it. It wouldn't be good, but it she could. It would be good. <laughs> it would be like death to baby and mother, probably. Lots of people do that, though, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, under what circumstances might Claudius say, yeah, Hamlet, go marry Ophelia. Sure, I don't care. I don't care. Marry him off. Yeah, yeah. indeed. But I think he's probably too focused on alliances. Yeah. Right, to do that. Yep. And Hamlet keeps alluding to Gertrude's age in terms of how could she possibly still want sex at her age. At 40-something. At 40-something. <laughs> For God's sake. She not a dried-up apricot. No. No. <laughs> apricot, good one. <laughs> apricot is slang for cunt. <laughs> there we go. I'll leave you with one more beautiful word. Oh. All right, so that's it for this yeah. episode. I'm Diana. I'm Erin. And this is Fuck Shakespeare. For additional fun shit from Fuck Shakespeare, you can head to our website at fckshakespeare.com. Or find us on Instagram at fckshakespeare. If you are enjoying this podcast, you could support us for as little as 99 cents per month. Just click the support button on the page on Spotify or Anchor. Tell your friends.